Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards. With me, as always, is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Drink of Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Say hello to the folks, Zeke. Hello, hello, wherever you are. Uh, thank you for joining in this evening. Zeke, a lot of people were disappointed. I was talking to someone today, and they were really down with the Aloha thing. Why'd you go against that? I like to change it up every time. That way it's a different episode. You don't want to sound too uh, mundane or boring. I know, but a lot of people were really getting behind the Aloha thing. I think we could have got shirts made that said Aloha with your face on it. it it's okay. I'm not... Randomly, my uncle lived there when I was a kid, so I had a lot of Aloha gear when I was younger, so I don't, I don't think I need it anymore. Is there like an Aloha brand? I don't think so. It's a universal term. It's universal for what? Hello or goodbye for Hawaiians, I thought, but I'm not the most educated. No, I mean, that's what you said before. I just want to make sure you said the same thing tonight. Oh, well, consistency is the key. Well, we have a jam-packed house, and, and I know that we did have somebody from Elixir Spirits on last week, and now we have... The man, the myth, the legend, the owner of Elixir Spirits, the and, and I don't want any anybody to think that we are picking on them. They're one of our favorite stores. It is Elixir and Carruthers that we, we do really enjoy going to both of those stores. But Tarak Patel, thank you so much for joining us. We've had you on live shows before. This is the first time we've had you on the podcast. It's awesome to have you on. Thank you for coming. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me here tonight. We have a good show tonight. That, that's it. They had a, yeah, they had I'm going to keep words. it simple. <laughs> <laughs> we also are very lucky to have Doug Ward, who is the chief of sales for the central region for Whistle Pig Rye Whiskey. Thank you very much, Doug, for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. And this is a very special night. We're going to do something that I don't think I've heard a lot of podcasts actually do. We are going to pick a store pick to rock for Elixir Spirits and then a place where Zeke and I are both a member of, which is the Whiskey House in Nashville. Together, we are going to be picking a barrel of Whistle Pig. And this is going to be kind of a, a unique experience, right? It is always a unique experience from brand to brand and different barrel to barrel. It's always fun seeing how different these barrels are, sometimes sitting side by side in the same warehouse. Sometimes they are a couple of warehouses apart, a couple of miles apart, and still taste alike. So it's yeah, we have a really fun lineup of barrels tonight. And I kind of feel pampered. I don't know how you feel, Zeke, because Doug actually brought the whiskey to us. Like, we... I would love to go up to Vermont and, and pick it up there, but I mean, we're kind of spoiled. If people are coming to the Dad's Drinking Bourbon House, bringing nice wooden boxes full of whiskey for us to try, I mean, I'll do that every day. Yeah, I'm not going to complain by any means. Uh, and obviously, thank you very much. I, I, I will try to remember to say it throughout the evening, but very appreciative of your generosity. And this is going to be a fun night, I, I have no doubts. Doug. This is not your most typical barrel pick that you've probably been a part of, right? It's a little bit different with this uh, selection. Being in a personal home, having glassware in front of us, and having microphones in front of us is a little bit different. Um, and it's 11.30 at night. That's not something that I don't think you've probably done a pick this late at night as well, right? Probably it happens more 11.30 a.m., you know, <laughs> than 11.30 p.m. But, hey, um, palettes... Uh, are alive and well at all hours of every day. 
That's another thing. I don't know why people are picking things at 11.30 a.m. because they're never going to drink it at 11.30 a.m. They're going to drink it at 11.30 p.m., right? <laughs> well, I hope they drink it more between 11.30 a.m. and 11.30 p.m. And go that to bed? Sense. You want everybody to be in bed at this time? Well, no. I'm not I'm not here to judge. <laughs> we understand its unique circumstances, but we appreciate you taking this journey with us as much as we are taking this journey with Tarak and, and, and the rest of the folks. What we're going to do, I mean, we want to ask you how these picks normally go. Sure. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take a, a little bit of a break. We're going to fast forward the tape. We're going to go through. You brought four different uh, whistle pigs for us to taste, right? That's correct. And we're going to take a break. We're going to go through the tasting notes. Then we're going to get back on the air. We're going to say which ones are our favorite. We're going to debate it. This is all going to be recorded. So you are actually going to hear us confer and talk about this. And we might have different opinions. We may agree on things. I think Zeke will probably disagree with us because that's how he rolls. But typically, how would you do this? Because, I mean, I want to mention for those of you that are listening, and I will post pictures, but Whistlepig really goes above and beyond. They know that not everybody's going to get up to Vermont. It's not like Kentucky where it's an easy drive from Nashville. So you guys really go above and beyond. You have this nice wooden box, and is it is it velvet inside that that is uh, lining everything, or is it's it a whatever nice you velvet? think is the most fanciest? It's super fancy. Yeah, I mean, there's four Glen Cairns in there yeah. with four different flasks of different proof barrel, all sorts of different variables that that go into four different whiskeys. It's four different rye whiskeys. These are the ten year, right? That we That's are picking. Correct. It's a really nice presentation. Um, well, that's good to, to hear the feedback because this is the first time actually rolling out this type of program. Um, it used to be that I would roll up with my bag or briefcase and it would have just a bunch of uh, half-filled bottles with it. The, the barrel program is getting a little bit more formal and fun. And it's beautiful that we're able to have these pieces of, uh, you know, POS to, to have fun and and, and showcase that we are a luxury rye whiskey brand and uh, you know it's not just things we squirreled from the farm last time we were there and we get to taste you on it and I hope you like one. Normally John's the more uh, marketing eye candy drawn person and I just stick to what's in the glass but that's a head turner when you walk in with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now Tarak for you I mean how's that differ because because you probably just get vials sent to you all the time if you can't actually make it up. I mean, you, you have to be pampered a little bit as the store owner, right? I see samples quite often. Um, some of them comes in a mailbox with, you know, <laughs> UPS driver living by the door or sometimes taking a sign that, you know, actually 21 plus year old received this sample. Quite often, Salsa rolls with sample bottles. Uh, once in a while, you get nickel barrels in a nice packaging. You get you now Creek samples in a nice packaging. But this one, taking it to the next level, also has a Glencairn glasses in it. And and I don't want Doug to think that we are kissing his butt because he's here. I mean, it really is one of those things where I think if you're not able to actually be in the Rick House to have a little bit of pomp and circumstance behind the pick to let people know that it actually is a big deal. I mean, because let's 
let's be honest here. This is a joint pick between Elixir Spirits and, and Whiskey House Nashville. And the business behind this is you as the store owner and Whiskey House as an organization are investing in a barrel, expecting that that barrel is going to sell. So there's almost a, a bet, right? It's almost a bet that you are going to invest in something and take on that risk in order to hopefully have your patrons agree with your palate enough to go buy that pick. It's always a risk that, you know, what you like versus what your customers going to like. And quite often, you have to let go what you like in favor of what customers going to like. It's also quite possible that your taste buds align and you like and customer likes are same. And so tonight, we are hoping that we'll find some ground where what we like versus what customer like, and we pick a really good battle today. Well, no, I was just going to say, and, and also I think a even more tertiary factor is, is you have to look at the price point of what the bottle will be and know, all right, X amount of my customers that buy these bottles will gravitate toward this. However, if this comes in at a price point that is people that are more appreciative, have, you know, experienced more things, or this is what they're going to gravitate to, then you have to really, you know, do almost a complete 180 and say, all right, you know, I'm not going to sell these to the masses at the price point they are, but the people I'm going to sell it to, where's their palette going to be? So I think that's almost just a complete different, you know, mentality going in from the get-go. Well, I just missed everything you just said. Did you just say tertiary? John, I went to school for years. I know you are a doctor, but like every <laughs> once in a while, you surprise the hell out of me. That's the ignorant country going to, oh yeah, he did go to school. He will go from kudzu syrup to tertiary at a drop of a hat. But sorry, Tarak, you were going to say something. I was going to say, uh, you lost me somewhere. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, good, it wasn't I'm also a... Retailer, I'm also a consumer, so I also always find myself divided between whether I can sell at certain price point. A lot of people see Whistle Pig as a Christmas drink. A lot of people see as a special drinks, and there are a lot of people who want it for Friday night. It's something that Zeke and I are really interested in exploring more because as we've gotten into rye more in the past couple of years, it's almost like there are different types of rye. And people don't investigate that enough. And I think there's almost more of a, a winter rye, and it's actually called winter rye, but there's there's those different ryes that would apply to different times of the year. I mean, do you guys over at Whistlepig, do you have a certain type of rye that you use all the time, or are there different blends? Well, there's really historically two types of rye. There's Maryland rye and Pennsylvania rye. It was a Mongahela style. And that's a pure rye. It's 100% rye. And that is what we've styled our entire business model behind. So when Dave Pickerel went around the world to basically taste and learn how to make and what rye whiskey truly was when he was still in the mid-90s at Maker's Mark, um, what he fell in love with was the Monghila style. It, it was the pure rye and the expression of what rye truly can be. So when we launched in 2010 with our 10 year, it was a, you know, 100%, uh, 100 proof 10 year. And we found that that lineage and that balance is what we wanted to showcase. And the showcase was what rye whiskey can be if you just do what it should do. And that's, 
the simplest and easiest way to say that. That makes sense. I'm sick of seeing all the, these drinks on the table and I'm starting to get a little bit thirsty. So let's get into the pick here for a second. Run me through how you would typically do this with a store. So you show sure. up at a store and you have you now have this nice wooden box. So yeah, I've traded in my uh, briefcase for a beautiful wooden box that uh, that we provide now with the four Glencairns. We bring in uh, four barrel samples. What they are is a minimum 10 year aged rye whiskey. What I'd like to do tonight is uh, line them up left to right. I'll pour them, you guys will go in the other room and we will put them in no particular order, but they'll be in order that I will know that they're in. And then from there, what I'd like is for you to be able to smell and taste through the Glencairns, uh, the neat whiskey by itself. Start on the left, start on the right, uh, start in the middle if you'd like. But at the end of the day, I want you to taste and smell, make your notes, make your selections, pull it forward if you really like it, push it back if you think it might be a little bit uh, austere at this time. And then from there, you know, we'll, we'll walk around with some water when you're ready and we'll put a drop or two in each one. We'll just try to do our best to control to make sure the same amount of water goes into each individual glass. And then I want you to taste what it's like if you dilute it, if you add ice, if you add water, if you make it into a cocktail. Um, while we're talking to you guys at the, the Bourbon House and we're talking to you guys at Elixir, um, most of these people, you know, hopefully are purists like we are and they're gonna taste it most, most likely neat but it's good to have the, the structure and the background and the knowledge of what it tastes like when you add water to it and you actually dilute it. Perfect. All of these are different proofs, right? That's correct. So what you will select today will actually be the proof that you are selecting. So uh, there'll be no, no variance in what you have in the bottle today that we brought. Any last questions, Zeke or Tarak, before we start doing this? I'm just tired of salivating, I'm ready to dive in. I'm ready to jump in too. All right, well, Zeke, go ahead and fast forward the tape. You're really good at that. All right, and we are back. We took a long break. Uh, we, we went through these four. What we did is we made sure that we did not go ahead and reveal our tasting notes to everybody. It was really hard while we were drinking this picture a silent room full of seven people forced to live in a house and have their lives taped as they picked a whiskey. <laughs> and it was very silent as we went through this. We are waiting to share our notes with the group. Now, there are going to be four of us that are essentially going through this decision. So we have Tarak, who is representing Elixir Spirits from Spring Hill, Tennessee. And then we have Zeke and I, who are representing the Whiskey House in this pick. And we also have the man, the myth, and the legend, John Brittle. Otherwise known, everybody in Nashville knows him as JB. JB representing the Whiskey House, thank you for joining us. Aloha. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man. So JB, tell us a little bit about the Whiskey House. Now Zeke and I know about it. I know Tarak knows about it. But tell us a little bit about the Whiskey House, the mission what it does. People see pictures, they start salivating, they think it's some secret society. We're really just a bunch of dumbasses that like to get together and drink whiskey. We're a fraternal organization, I would say, along with several ladies um, who are whiskey women. Our mission is raising funds for local charity. We just happened to, I 
decided that we could do that with whiskey. And if we had failed at raising funds, we would at least have a bunch of whiskey around. But you do a very good job at it. And it's important to note that Whiskey House is technically a nonprofit organization. That's correct. And so we raise funds for local charities. We raise funds for whiskey people, friends and family members who deal with, you know, everyday life like we all have. We raise funds so that we can buy more whiskey. And what we've turned into over the last year and a half or so is we do more tastings for charity. And that's the thing that that I want to talk about real quick. And and I know that we want to get in and talk about this pick, but a lot of the things that the Whiskey House will actually do is, is people think it's just a house that has every single type of whiskey that you can ask for. But what it really is, is it's us going out and actually putting that into organizations in their in their live auctions and their blind auctions. And people are actually bidding on coming to the house. So we're not just keeping whiskey there for us. It's one of those things where it can entice people to bid for charity to come to the house and try some whiskey, right? Absolutely. So 95% of the fundraising we do is at some charity's event, their biggest event, whether they have a live auction or a silent auction or combo or what we love to do, which is a Dutch auction. And we offer tastings for 10, 12, 15 people and everybody in the crowd raises their hand and their bidder number and they buy one spot or two spots or three spots. And, and we routinely raise two to two to $5,000 a night at events doing that. But you told me that there's even been times where we could get eight, ten thousand $10,000 on a tasting at an auction, right? Absolutely. Just something to think about. If you guys are in Nashville, reach out to Zeke and I. We'd love to have you down by the house. We'll get you in touch with JB, but you know, Zeke and I are members. We'll take you there. The only thing that we ask is if you come in the house, whatever you're drinking, please give a donation because we're actually taking that money um, so, you know, we'd ask you to give a donation for, for having some pours for coming by the house. We take that money. I mean, last year, I think it was something over $100,000 that we donated to charity in various forms from the YWCA to Leukemia Association. You know, whatever it is, we are constantly looking for charities to get behind in the middle Tennessee area, friends that we know about locally that we can make a difference on absolutely and we we run the gamut of of events humane association and humane societies and kids and veterans and special ops guys and we're our goal is seeing how much money we can raise and i started out doing it by just donating bottles of whiskey but then we realized that our tasting room could raise more money by selling tastings to people and letting people come and try eight, twelve whiskeys rather than buy a bottle. Zeke is very lucky that this is in his neighborhood uh, in 12 South. If you are interested in coming by the house or interested in becoming a member, reach out to us, reach out to Zeke, reach out to me, reach out to JB, and we'd love to have you by. We'd love to tell you more information about it. PSA is over because we just had four really good rise some were better than others we're, we're going to talk about this some we really like maybe i'm just speaking for me because we're not actually going over the tasting notes yet but for me there were two 
that I really liked over the others. Let's start with Tarak first. You are the guest of honor. What did you think about these four? Before we go into the tasting notes, I just want you to rank them in order that you liked them. From left to right, one, two, three, or four, which one did you like the best? I think for me, it was a sequence I tasted them, one, two, three, and four. First being what I liked the most, and fourth being what I liked the least. JB, left to right, one, two, three, four, what did you like the best? Two, one, three, four. Zeke, left to right, what did you like the best? I went two, one, four, three, actually. That was on nose and then uh, tasting as well. Now, I liked two, one, three, four. Michael Hines, a big shout out to him from the Whiskey House. He has left because, oh, it's a school night. He has to go to bed. But, uh, Hines, if you're listening, Hines liked one, two, three, four, left to right. That was his order. When I had these on the nose alone, I really thought four had the most unique nose. One, two, and three all had similar notes to me of mint, a little bit of wheatgrass, citrus, rye. I I said refreshing. Number two opened up very nicely for me as it went on, and I think that's something that I was drawn to. Four had the most, out of the nose, the most characteristics to be like a bourbon. It was creamy caramel. It had the most variance out of the other ones, at least for me. I like when I say notes and I look over at Zeke and he kind of looks at me like I'm smoking something, but four for me had at least the most variance on the nose, and talking about the tasting notes, it was it was a little bit too oaky for me. One and two for me were my favorites with I think two edging out one. I, I really thought they were awesome. Two was mint. It opens up nicely on the nose. The taste was, it was absolutely creamy and it had heat, but it wasn't overwhelming heat. It was just like the right amount of spice. Some people don't like using heat as a tasting note, but it had the right amount of spice to me and then I got a slight hug and it lingers, but it's not overbearing. It's almost creamy down your throat with the spice just staying in your mouth and not traveling past. I really enjoyed this one. Let's go. I'm, I'm going to go counterclockwise. JB. I haven't been on as many barrel picks as you guys. And as a fairly young collector of whiskey who dove in really hard three years ago, there's not a barrel in this group of four that I wouldn't drink every day. And so this is really splitting hairs. And I'd like to just say that to your listeners. I've been on barrel picks where we tasted three or four or five or six. And and I thought two or three of those things were not drinkable. These are all phenomenal. I got to tell you, I, mine were really close and all all could have switched the one and twos could have switched position and the three and fours could have switched position these four barrels are so good that if i had not had the benefit of getting to taste them all four and somebody had called me and said go down to spring hill tarak has picked a barrel of whistle pig you won't believe and it had been any four of these i'd have driven down there and bought three bottles I don't know if that lets us know where JB stands or not. Which one was your favorite out of all? Two. Two was my favorite. All right. So, Tarak, you went one, two, three, four. 
tell us why you liked one over two. So for me, one and two, they were really good, but I'm trying to put an analogy together. The first one would be like Beatles single, Imagine This Is Heaven. You know, <laughs> it's just mellow, easy drinking, um, sit by the fireplace, have a lot of complexity, but not aggressive in a way. And a second one being like Led Zeppelin singing Trample Underfoot, you know, talking about love. And it's loud and aggressive and a lot of flavor, a lot of complexity. Um, the second one was like, ah! Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> First time for that, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's Trample Underfoot. So uh, it's just tonight I'm in mood for liking number one better than number two, but it's... Either one of these two, I would go over it. First one to me has a sweet candy citrus, long lingering coating on a mouthfeel. Didn't really have much bite going down. Really nice mouthfeel and stay with you forever. Second one was everything from the nose to the finish has been more pronounced. Aggressive in a style with a nose. First smell was a little bit more boozy, but let it sit in a glass for five more minutes. It turned out to be a lot better. It also had more spice, more pronounced spice on a finish. A second one, I like it when you let it get some air for a couple of minutes. If you were to have fresh crack and you, you have them out there, you know, we went through these and tasted them for a good 30 minutes. When you have that number two and you revisit it, it changes and that's something I like because you could have the same bottle. I almost like something, I mean that's why we were drawn to Al Young last year. This is a bottle that could change from one pour to the other and it gives you something to talk about and I don't think any of the changes are bad. There's not one time I had a sip of it that I didn't like it. It's that chameleon drink that is going to give you something to talk about over and over and over. Yeah, I'll just stick to, to two and one since regardless of, of who picked which one where, those were the, the two overall favorites of the bunch. Uh, uh, for number one, <clears throat> I thought the nose was warm and minty. Uh, it seemed even more minty the second time through. Palette-wise, I thought it had decent viscosity. Uh, let's see here. Slow-rising mint with heat behind it uh, that to me, faded very quickly on chewing it. Uh, by the time the chew was done, really no hug, and I didn't get too much of a finish, honestly. For two on the nose, uh, I thought it had less alcohol than most of them, but also a really increased amount of, of sweetness and cinnamon that just came off of it. My, my third part of the nose would just said vibrant, which was the only time I, I was just really impressed by a nose, which usually leads my uh, decision making more times than not palette wise uh, a very nice ratio of cinnamon and mint uh, some oak in the back but definitely not unpleasant I, I think the balance of all three profiles to me really defined a rye and a niceness finish wise just a nice cinnamon and warmth by warmth i don't mean a burn i just mean a warmth which was just really pleasant and i think Overall, when I really tried to summarize these two, and especially being as it's April and this is going to, you know, be on shelves in another month or two, ideally, I really classified two as being a more summer type of pour, whereas one I thought was just really, in my mind, wintry. And I could just see, you know, if someone's tasting this in a store, 
in the summer, it, it just wouldn't fit that that feel for the seasons, which I know sounds funny, but that was really the, something I, I weighed somewhat heavily on. Zeke liked two. I liked two. JB liked two. Turok, you like one, and and Heinz like one. I think when it comes down to it, something we got to talk about, right, is now let's bring in the other variables. So number two, it's not that much of a difference, but number two is at 115 proof. Number one is at 114. I think it's at three, 114.3 or something like that. Truck, you put some water in it. What happens when you put water in number two? Because if somebody puts a couple drops of water in there, then you're getting at the same proof, and it's really just what do you like more at that point, right? I think with water, number two holds up a little better. Number one, pronounced on finish, the spice elevates on a finish. It still holds up on a nose, but the finish changes. The number two remains consistent with water, without water. So after having water, you like number two more? Yes. Okay, are we converting you? I'm not being converted because I taste everything with water at least once, but prefer mostly without water. I'm always going to try, even though it's 90 proof whiskey, I'm going to try with water at least one. But none of these four barrels, like JB said, is bad samples. It's just, you know, what we are picking tonight. And tonight we are pinned down on one and two, and uh, two has a majority of the votes. We have to come to a consensus on this. Tell me that, I mean, I, I think we're all getting down to one or two. Is it one of those things where you could go either way or are you, you like one more, but you like two? Is it like a 99.9% you like one and you like two 99.7? How far of a difference do we have here? I think um, I like number one just being at the, you know, moment of uh, sheer elegance number two is just like what I'm in mood for like what keeps me keep going all day long and have that rocking mood always sets in it well I think we missed a, a, a I, I would I mean I could keep on singing Led Zeppelin but, all day so what JB what are you gonna so, say you're asking him to pick between his children it's yeah. It's an impossible uh, question. I mean, they're both really phenomenal. I mean, if we, if we really want to be honest here, they're Doug's kids, and, and we're adopting one. And, and you know what? They're really great, both of them. No <laughs> joke. I, I wasn't kidding when he I said that. He raised them right. They're, I mean, they're really right. great bottles of whiskey. And depending on my day, I'm going to get home, I'm going to pour something smooth, or I'm going to get home and I'm going to pour something that punches me in the mouth just because of how I feel. Well, and also, you know, a, a factor we haven't really circled back on that we did discuss during the voting was Turok's store owner, a, a strong degree of nat natural inclination is going to be to pick what he thinks the majority of his customer base is going to buy. At the same time, a, a whistle pig pick, the price point is different than several other picks. So, therefore, you have to, to trim some fat, so to speak, or however you want to call it, and then rethink in your mind, all right, so my customers that buy bottles at this price point, what does their profile normally lean to and what do they tell me? Quite often it pinned down to what, you know, tonight majority what went to number two. It's democracy. Yeah, but again, I mean, you have to look at 
who's going to buy these picks? This isn't, you know, the, I think it really comes down essentially to, to the people that are going to be more apt to spend the money for what a whistle pick costs. I would guesstimate that their profile would lean more toward two. They're, they're into cash strength more. They get into the, that niche more and, and they play around and have fun like we do. Whereas one could be as far as a generic term of rise considered, that might be a, a lay crowd pleaser. It's smooth. Number one is smooth. Exactly. You drink that, you must be very cautious because it's one of those deals you could look down and realize you have consumed half the bottle. Two, just has a little more spice to me and a little more oomph. And I just want to taste a little more a little more spice in my rye. It sounds like we're all excited for one and two. Number one does not excite me. Sorry to interrupt. So one doesn't excite you? No, it's a smooth drinking whiskey. So... Number two fires me up. Okay, so two fires up, JB. I agree with it. I agree with that statement completely. I I, I think, like JB said, as far as excitement goes, two's the one that'll get some folks jumping up and down and and the people that spend more time tasting and, and nerding out like we do... That's going to be the one that gets people saying, man, y- y'all did a pretty good job with that one. I guess we're all in agreement. I thought we would have more of a discussion on it, but I guess cream rises to the top. Well, actually, the one was the creamier, so you said that backwards. <laughs> so I guess... The cream the- gets stomped by the spots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was perfect timing. No, that was good. That was good. That being said, number two is a 115 proof. It is a Whistlepig 10-year. Now, this this juice is sourced from Whistlepig. I'm not sure if this one is coming from Canada or if it's MGP, but it is going to be in the stores. We'll probably get it. Did they tell us when we're going to get it, Tara? About a month and a half, I would imagine. So the paperwork pushing. So about a month and a half from now, you guys can go back and look at this podcast and you can say that you heard us actually talk about this, decide which one we like the best, and we came to number two at the end of the day. JB, thank you very much for helping us make this decision. This was a unique event. I want to keep that wooden box and... uh and I, I want to keep the Glen Cairns inside and the box and all the juice in there. But we have to move on. So we are going to make JB move to the side again. We're sorry. I'm we going are, to the back where the whiskey is. Yeah, I know. You're going to go drink <laughs> all the whiskey in the house. We're going to bring Doug back if Doug would, would spend some time with us. There's a couple things that Doug brought. Doug brought a Whistlepig 15-year. He brought the Whistlepig 12 Old World. He brought a ten, another 10-year that came from someone else. And then an interesting thing that Doug brought was he brought batch two of farm stock. Now, the first one, I liked it, was bottled in barn. It, what did it say on there? It, it, was, um, it wasn't batch one. It was actually crop it's one. It's rye crop 001. And this is Rye Crop 002 that I'm holding in my hand right That's now. correct. What are the differences? The The thing that we should talk about, so we, we have the 10-year, which is the straight rye. We have uh, the 
we have the 12 year, which is the old world, the 15 year, which is the Vermont estate oak that's out there. And then what is not at this table because you obviously don't like us enough is the boss hog. So you forgot to bring that. Next time you can go ahead and bring that one. But we have the 10, the 12, the 15. <laughs> no, thank you very, very much. No, for I, get, I, get, I, get, I get Alzheimer's sometimes. It's like just, just spikes up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we are very appreciative of everything you brought. Let's be honest. But the 10, the 12, and the 15, those are all sourced right now currently, right? That's correct. Yep. And then the farm stock is actually using the rye that you guys are growing on the farm in Vermont. And you are then actually putting your own rye and mixing it with some of those other different flavors, right? Correct. So this is, uh, you know, when we started Whistlepig in 2010... The, the main goal and thought process from day one was we live in a farm house in Vermont with rye fields. That's what started this whole process. So being a grain to bottle distillery is the ultimate goal. I think um, Fish had a song about that. Yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> and it's like 13 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it took us uh, over three years to finally get to the point where we could get the distillery up and running turns out when you go to vermont they want you to bring your money to vermont don't come to vermont to make your money so um <laughs> there's a lot of like loopholes and, and and fire rings you have to jump through and then neighbors that think that blueberries won't grow because you're making whiskey down the street you know like 18 miles away so i mean there's a lot of acreage between those right places. right yeah so it was what it was but at the end of the day the farm stock really is the most exciting release that we've had what most people think the most exciting release uh, is not here today this is probably the most fun to talk about we have 20 percent of our rye that actually was grown on our farm distilled on property aged in vermont oak from our farm and then use our well to actually dilute it down to the the proof that we set it at you're actually moving percentages up. So not only are you going from your guys' stuff going from one year to two years, the percentage of your own juice in there is actually going to 32%. And then we have 45% of the six year and then 23% of a 10 year. Right. So we are removing the 12 mm-hmm. from this, but the overall average age goes up because of the percentages you have here. Right? right. Right. So we did some blending events across the country from San Francisco to Chicago to LA and New York. Did we do blending events with top bartenders, influencers, people that know whiskey, maybe just as much or if not more than we do? Right. And we wanted their opinions. So we had uh, different options on the first, second and third percentages. Um, we allowed them to play within certain you know, realms. And um, it turned out that what we had sourced from all the trade came out to pretty close to what we came out with for our farm stock rye crop 002. Well, that is awesome. I know Zeke has been feverishly writing down notes. Tarak is over there tasting some of the farm stock. I know JB's getting in on it. I do want to give a shout out to our friend Chandler from Best Brands, who's over there taking pictures, looking at all of this and and uh, putting all of this together. I hope he gets a sip of the farm stock. I know he's been looking at it as well. Zeke, what are you getting on the tasting notes? Let's go to you first. You were the first one to have it and then go over to Tarak. Sounds good. 
Uh, Nose-wise, I, I really thought it was equal parts, uh, one-third across the board of some alcohol coming off, some mint coming off, some cinnamon. Everything seemed literally just to be a, a very one-third, one-third, one-third. Nothing stood out more than the other. Somewhere as a, you know, a little more uh, of the alcohol came off of it, there seemed to be some sweet fruit behind it. Couldn't really pinpoint what it was, but a sweet fruit light in there. And I think if this set open for a while longer under my nose, I, I would try to pinpoint maybe. But palette-wise, seemed very mellow. Uh, what I um, I went with here was 35% juicy fruit, 65% big red. It sat really well on the tongue. Just had a balance of warmth. Again, as we kind of talked about, not really trying to use the word heat too much, but it's a rye. You're gonna pick up those natural characteristics. It wasn't too high, it wasn't too low. It was just really where you would... It was Goldilocks. No long hair, but uh, it, it was balanced. No, that was Rapunzel who had long hair. Oh. Goldilocks like was, she tried three different things and one was just right. Well, you have the daughter, I have the son. So this is where we're gonna get these stories. Goldilocks and the Three Bears is a story you can tell your son too. It's not one of his books, sorry. Oh, okay, sorry. Finish-wise, um, I would say a mild continuation of what I thought the palette was. Nothing exceptional, but definitely no burn or anything unpleasant as it went down. Turok, what did you get on this one? I think this one is very cohesive, well-balanced. A front has a juicy fruit uh, on a finish. Has a lot of spice that lingers without bite. Also have a lot of red fruits on a finish. A lot of vibrant acidity on it. Like, it keeps you going back again and again. It doesn't completely dry you out, but it also makes you come back to it. I really like crop two a lot more than crop one. Am I the only one? I got super black licorice on the nose. No? Not me that deviated septum kicking in. Yeah, I, I got a lot of licorice on the nose. I mean, Chandler is famous for his tasting notes. So I want to hear what Chandler has to say about this, but am I the only one who got licorice there? Uh, I... Pulled out uh, Blast from the Past, which uh, you guys have heard me do many times. But uh, going back to growing up and, and uh, had a quite fondness for a bear claw donut. So I had a little bit of that in there. A touch of apple strudel. Uh, a little bit of apple crumb cake. This also has a little bit of leather in it as well. But I didn't get the, uh, the anise or, or uh, licorice or... Just on the, uh, the the palate, had a beautiful saliva play that just really opened it up and made it more concentrated and, and uh, gave it a, a fuller body, which is always fun for me. This one, there's more of it than there was of crop number one. So we are actually going to be able to, this is a more attainable bottle than the first one was, right? That's right. Um, actually, the first release that we came out with was something that we probably released somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 cases into Tennessee. You know, the first order is 100 cases for this release. Um, so, you know, it tells you that we've been stocking away, obviously, to ramp up this skew. And, and, and it's based on the fact that we think that the, the juice that's coming off our still from our farm is very special. And when it's obviously rested in our own oak i mean it's triple tour it's almost quad tour when you add the water being the dilute right so i'm excited about it not only for that but you know as the percentages get higher and the age gets longer in our own juice 
for the first time in the history of Whistlepig, the price is actually going down on the Rycrop 002. So where you found the first release uh, being somewhere in the neighborhood of probably $90 uh, retail, you're probably going to find it between $72.99 and $74.99. Hooray for the dropping of price in luxury rye whiskey. Other places should take note. I think where everybody right now is trying to stretch out and, and push the limits of what they can get, I think it is refreshing as the whiskey that we just drank to hear that it is going down. So from a, a whiskey fan, I would just say thank you. I think that it allows us to try more stuff. It's really cool to hear that. We're excited on our end to be able to offer something that A, is so much a percentage from our farm, but B, is something that maybe the customer that's never been able to afford Whistlepig because of the threshold gets to actually put it in their hand, take it home, or try it in a cocktail at a, at a bar or restaurant. After having had this, JB over in the corner, I know you're not at a mic any, anymore. Would you buy this? Give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Absolutely, and I own the first one. All right, well then, there we go. I own the first one as well. I like this one more. I'd buy mm -hmm. At this price point, I'm buying crop too. Zeke, sure. what do you think? I'm going to have to agree on this and even chime in because I didn't realize it until uh, I just glanced at the sample bottle as well. But for 86 proof, there's a lot of flavor coming out of that. I mean, honestly, it doesn't compute in my world. I would expect it something much more mundane and, and just bland. But that thing's kicking off very nicely for, for what proof it is. I think that's something Zeke and I are learning recently. I mean, we talk about Four Roses Yellow Label all the time and how that how much of a, a flavor that has for 80 proof and 15 bucks. I think good whiskey, no matter what proof it is, that, that flavor is going to come out. And it's finding the distilleries that are dialing that proof in to the right level to actually get to maximize the flavor that's coming out. Well, at the same time, too, we've been tasting barrel strength for the mm -hmm. course of the evening. Mm -hmm. I mean, people talk about palate fatigue and or, and or being able to taste anything. We're talking about an 86 proofer that, after multiple barrel strength tastings, kicks off very nicely. I mean, yeah. imagine if, if we only had water or whatever. You know, The, the lowest proof you had tonight was 114.3. Uh, so to, to me, thinking about it in my head, it speaks even more volumes. The only thing I can really relate to is after a night of, of mostly cash drinks tasting, having an old uh, Eagle Rare 90 proof out of Lawrenceburg, the old Prentice, and that thing still just threw off so much flavor. Like That's about where I am here as far as what I'm able to pick up with a tongue that's singed at the very least. Mm -hmm. I will just say in those 10 years, the picks of the 10 years have been some of my favorite whistle pigs that are out there. Uh, I didn't get to enjoy the 12 and the 15. I do have a bottle of the 15. Zeke and I have reviewed it before, but it's something that we should mention that Doug says if you mix the 12 and the 15 together, it makes an amazing drink. And I will just back that up. That's magic right there. Tarak, you had one. You had a whistle pig last year, about August time last year, that I liked more than the 15. You had a really, really good pick that was out before on that. Um, so, so kudos to you for 
selecting it, a whole bunch of different whistle pigs that are out there, whether or not you like that straight rye, they're all straight rye now, which is an important thing to remember. After um, the only non 100% straight rye that we've ever released was Farmstock 001. So uh, once 002 comes out, uh, the minimum that is in it is uh, a two year from our farm. So therefore, everything we will have in our portfolio will be straight rye. So synopsis, I mean, we'd love to have you come back. I, I think in, in what we've been talking about tonight, we will see you again. What's the number one thing you're most excited about with what Whistlepig's doing lately? Ah, that's a great question. Um, I'm probably excited about two things. One is the fact that um, we are obviously age statement whiskey. So the amount of barrels that we have that are able to be like open to the public to select is exciting for me to see because there's nothing more exciting than selling a barrel. When we line up four different glasses and there's five to seven people in a room and everybody's got an opinion, but everyone agrees that that one's really kind of rad and I really enjoy that, that really excites me. So that in itself and being able to have those experiences over and over are, uh, are, are, are probably the, the most exciting for me. The second is that the bespoke program, which is the blend your own 12 year, um, we've actually begun a process at the beginning of this year to finish a bunch of different 12 years with Chablis, uh, Peruvian rum, uh, Amarone, Pinot Noir, Cabernet, and I've had the opportunity in the last three months uh, being on the farm every month to taste through these, being in charge of the barrel program this year. It's uh, really exciting to see how they've developed. Um, they will be only offered on the farm, also probably for a total of 15 to 20 people in the world this year. Um, that sounds super fancy. It, it's about as bougie as it gets from a farm in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite? I A lot of people shy away from this question, but mm. I'm just wondering which one is your favorite out of all of these? There's a, there's a gun on the table and it's pointed at my face. It's 12 year. It's the one that I probably drink the most at home. Uh, the one from selling wine for 15 years uh, that I find the more nuances of the residual sugar from the Sauterne, the, the pairing of spices with the Madeira, uh, the inky and kind of dark fruits from the port that, that add this balance and, and luxury and more feminine style to the whiskey that I really, really enjoy at the 86 proof it's bottled at. You never want to pick a favorite child, but at the end of the day, that's probably what I have to hide from myself when I'm at home. I knew the answer to that question because I've been watching what he's been going for and it's been old world every time. But I just wanted to see if he would lie to us or not. No, no. In, in, in verses, if that was a very detailed answer, and, and honestly, I don't do wine, so most of that flew over my head. In a, a brief answer, since we are running a little late here, what are your thoughts on age statements and rye? Because there's obviously other ryes that are becoming more prevalent that don't have very much of an age statement, but a fair amount of the bourbon community or whiskey community, whatever you want to call it, considers them to be very well, and they also fetch a very good price point. Well, that's a pretty loaded question, and not the probably best question to ask when we're running low on time. Um, full transparency, I'll tell you this. Um, the answer, when that happens, the answer is yes. Yes. 
I, I feel that the um, age statement is very important when it comes to rye. Not to speak over anybody, but the the fact of the matter is that rye is a blending varietal just like a, a Petit Verdot or a Mavedra would be with a wine. And there's, you know, that percentage of something in a lot of different wines. There's that percentage of rye in that many whiskeys. So it is a varietal that, that, that works well that way. When you allow it to just do its own thing and you put it in the right barrel for the right temperature for the right amount of time, that's what we wanted to bring to the table. So do I think age statements matter? I, I definitely do. Do I think that the crowns and 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 everybody else that makes whiskey, making it right now, brings people to the table? I'm all about the category. And I believe that crown getting the 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 reward that they got a couple years ago brought more people to the category. I believe that the more that other brands do well and other brands like High West uh, continue to blend and continue to make awesome juice and Angel's Envy brings more people to rye, that's better for everybody in the category. And you know, while one thing leads to another, someone will find every step along the way if they continue to open their mind and continue to drink and enjoy what we think is some of the better juice in the world. So, you know, at the end of the day, A statements matter, but your price point, your everything is where you're at in life and what you're trying to do. And while we try to sit there and look at a marketing plan, it really comes down to what can you do tonight and what do you want to drink? No, perfect. Uh, that, that was really the perspective I wanted. And uh, Well, I believed him because he said Morvedra right, and he didn't even skip a beat. So he's smart. <laughs> well, I was going to say, by, by simple analogy, when people talk about you know good bourbon versus good rise, is I'll, I use a highway. I, I think bourbon is in between the yellow lines as far as what we think is exceptionally good, whereas rye, that's that's white. I mean, it's all across the board. It ranges. And like John said, we, we want to dive into rye. We've got to do some homework. But it, it's an exceptional grain once you really it's, get it's, there. It's really easy to look at the laws because they're kissing cousins. You know, 51% is the minimum. So, therefore, there are a lot of high rye bourbon mashes. There's a lot of low rye rye mashes. Right? <laughs> so, um, you know... I can sit here until I'm blue in the face and tell you um, I, I drink a lot of the juice, which I do, but um, it's it's not because I get paid to do so. It's more of uh, the fact that that's, you know, where now my palate kind of sets in. And so it's, it's fun to sit around with you guys that, you know, drink a lot of brown spirits and are able to, like, write down the tasting notes and, like, go over them in front of me because I don't get that every day. Uh, we also don't do this at the time that we do and where we do like we are what do you think are you gonna are you gonna try to employ this in, in other cities as well yeah i'd love to i'd love to um i've done this in dallas a couple times but not at a home it's always in like a studio kind of setting and uh we didn't drink nearly as much as we did tonight well we travel i mean zeke and i can travel if you yeah. need us to be your official uh we'll just follow you around and we <laughs> can do a side gig with whistle pig and just be your official record keeping of uh, well, Jimmy said he would be the stenographer and that you could just like you know provide the microphone yeah that's I'm the right. historian right yeah 
Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much for joining. We'd love to have you on again, which I'm sure we will, and we'll, we'll keep in touch. We'd love to see where Whistlepig is going and talk to you again later on this year. I hope we get to. A lot of people to thank tonight, though. Tarak, thank you very much for coming up. Yes, uh, sir. It's always a pleasure. Please do it again. We yep. send TJ, too, because he really went above and beyond with drinking that Jim Beam. Maybe we'll bring this microphone to the store. I know. Are you like a proud papa now, like with TJ coming on the podcast? Oh, I'm happy. Ah, good. JP, thank you very much for coming. (laughs) JP, thanks for coming up. Chandler, thanks for being on. Zeke, thank you for being on too. Well, and special thanks, obviously, to Whistlepig and and Tarak and Chandler for setting this up and allowing us the opportunity to what I would chalk up to nothing less than an exceptional experience. I don't know how many podcasts actually have picked a barrel while they're recording. So uh, we are very, very lucky and we are very grateful and thankful. So so thanks again, everyone. Please go down to Elixir Spirits when this comes out. Go, go ahead and buy yourself a bottle of this because I really like it. I know Zeke likes it. I know JB likes it. I know Tarak likes it. Doug said he liked it too. So he wants a bottle. I've never had this before, but I would totally buy one. Exactly. Yeah. Go ahead and down to Elixir Spirits anyway in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Go see our friends TJ. Go see Tarak down there. Please go ahead and find us on Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Find us on Twitter at Bourbon's Dads. You can find Whistlepig on Instagram at Whistlepig Whiskey. They're also on Facebook and, and Twitter and all the other fun things as well. Well, and, and also for our folks that are, are not local to Nashville, Middle Tennessee, Reach out to us on the side. We're, we're going to work to get some allocation of these that we can try to share with uh, our folks and, and l- let them give us feedback on uh, if we hit or missed on the, the needle here and this being a, a really good barrel. So definitely uh, do that as well. And make sure you listen to our podcast. Go ahead and find us on Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, Podknife, did I miss anything? There's there's a bunch. Your favorite podcast provider, you can go ahead. Please leave us a five-star review. Go ahead and tell us why you like us. If you don't like us, reach out to us directly. We'd love to hear from you before you actually blast us on the interweb. So we'll, we'll try to make it better. We know we're not that good. But uh, where else can the folks find us, Zeke? Nashville, Tennessee. Always seats the table. Thanks, everyone, for coming. Cheers. 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 Aloha. Cheers.